God is good. Well, hey, so great to see you guys. I hope you guys are doing well this morning. It's really special to be together. And, you know, we were never meant to know God or follow Him alone. That's, we need each other. I need you. We, we need people in our lives who love God and are following Him. And, and that's just so encouraging to sing together, to go into God's Word together. And, hey, if you're, you're visiting or newer to Rimrock, um, at 1030, straight across back there in the gathering place, there's a thing called First Step. And Pastor Mike will be there, and we'd love for you to learn more about what it means to be in the church and to follow Jesus here, here at Rimrock. So we'd invite you to do that. Would you join me in praying as we go into the word? Lord, Jesus, name above all names. We're astounded this morning by your beauty, by your grace, by your love. Lord, you know the condition of every heart in this place. You see us as we truly are. And yet you love us and you pursue us. My prayer this morning, Lord, as we go into your word, is that all the things of this world would just grow dim in comparison to your glory, and that we would see you, we would know you, we would hear you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we have been going through the book or the gospel of John since January 1st, and man, I'm, I'm excited about spring coming. Are you? <laughs> Talking about Easter is good news, not only because it's spring, but Jesus has resurrected, and so there's new life. And uh, we're going through this amazing book of John, and we started all the way at the beginning, John 1, the Word has come. Jesus is the Word, and He's, he's bringing life, and he's, he's making everything new in our world. And we've looked at seven signs, or seven miracles that Jesus did that point to the kingdom of God. And, and I told you from the beginning, and, and as you've heard, that really John uses this phrase, eternal life, to describe the kingdom. And the signs point ultimately to Jesus, who gives us eternal life. And in John 17, in the prayer, Jesus says, this is eternal life, to know God and to know his son, Jesus Christ. There is no greater knowledge than to know God and to be in relationship with him. And this morning we're going to be looking at John 15, and, and the title of the sermon is Abiding Relationship. And uh, we're, we're preparing for Good Friday, the cross, and Jesus is in his final days, his final hours, and he's spending this time with his disciples, and he's giving them kind of the, this image of what eternal life is in view of the cross and so he's preparing his disciples for the cross and he is preparing for the cross and he's teaching us what a life looks like in the cross in the shadow of the cross and we have beautiful crosses here but remember in the day of Jesus this was a sign of suffering of shame of pain and yet Jesus redeemed those things and so the cross is beautiful this morning because of Jesus and so last week uh, Bill talked about Jesus washing the disciples' feet in that beautiful, unselfish life, and Jesus modeled that. And this morning, we're going to be looking at how is this possible? How is this possible to live unselfishly? But before we dive into the scripture, I have two images in my mind that I'd like to share with you as we go into this passage. One is, uh, as a dad, and many of you are dads or moms here, um, one of my favorite parts of the day is when I come home after being gone most of the day, and, and then um, 
seen my kids, right? And uh, I have a little two-year-old son right now, and he is super excited to see me. <laughs> and he comes running up and says, Dad! And he's got a huge smile on his face. His arms are open wide, and nothing brings more joy to my heart to see that, that, that love and that desire and that delight in my son. But many of you as parents have the same uh, experience I do is sometimes I come home from work and they're not running to see me. <laughs> and usually I find out during the day there was something that happened or they weren't listening to mom or there was uh, conflict in the home. And so when I come home, instead of them running, a lot of times they're hiding or they're avoiding. Has <laughs> that ever happened in your home? <laughs> it happens in mine. And, um, and so I have that image, hold on to that image. The other image I have in my mind is, um, I've been a pastor long enough that I've seen in church, sometimes there's budding romances that happen. Have you seen that? Where maybe a, a girl and a guy are getting to know each other and, and starting to develop a relationship, and pretty soon they're inseparable, right? And you see them every Sunday, and they're all always together, right? But then invariably, not always, usually it works out, but sometimes it doesn't work out, right? And what begins to happen? Well, pretty soon, you know, they're not sitting by each other. And pretty soon, if there's two services, one's coming to one service, and the other the other service, right? And there's avoidance, right? So hold on to those two mental images, because as we dive into John 15, we are talking about relationship, relationship with Jesus. And I'd ask you to stand um, this morning in honor and respect to God's word and all right, thanks, Levi. We got the scripture on the screen. You can follow along and as, I, as I read in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, um, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is for my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Do you hear that this morning? Jesus loves you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. You may be seated. So this morning as we come to this beautiful, beautiful passage, and I know 
this was a significant passage for Pastor Steve. And, and if you walk down by the stream down there, there's a memorial and it says, Abide. And that's taken from this passage. And so this is probably getting to some of the most profound truths of what it means to know and follow Jesus. This is, this is the, the, the most profound things of walking with Jesus, when we talk about abiding, remaining. And we're going to be looking at that this morning, but I want to just say something before we dive into the verses is um, there's no such thing as a super Christian. There's no such thing as someone who's attained something greater than anyone else when we talk about following Jesus or spiritual things. And we're going to see that in this passage that, that we're all the same. <laughs> We're all people in need of a Savior. We're all in need of God's intervention in our lives. There are no super spiritual people. There's only people that God loves, and that's us. And here we see Jesus begins in verse 1 by saying, I am the true vine. We've looked in John at the seven signs of Jesus, but if you were paying attention, you will also see that throughout those signs there were these I am statements. Because Jesus was doing these signs, but he was also saying something about who he is as the word of God. And there's seven statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And there's many others where we see where Jesus declares, I am. Here he says, I am the true vine. Here in a little bit, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Jesus might have had this teaching around the table while they were celebrating the Last Supper. So think about that. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he gives us a picture. And I call this the abiding picture. The abiding picture. He gives us an image, a metaphor to understand what God has for us. And it's a picture of a grapevine. And I love that. I'm a, I'm a gardener, and I, I even grew a few grapes in Minnesota. I don't know if you can grow grapes in Rapid City. <laughs> but isn't it amazing when you think about the garden, and you think about a plant, and you start with the seed, and the, the life that comes from that plant, and, and when you begin to see those little fruits budding on the branches, and the excitement, and the anticipation of tasting that sweet, beautiful and God gives us this image of the vine and Jesus says I am the vine you are the branch and he says the father is the gardener or the vine dresser he's the one that cares for the vine and he talks about pruning right and so there's a there's a process here there's a there's a care that's given over our lives now I want you to just pause and look at verse 3 with me real carefully because Jesus says something very important here he says you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You are already clean. So when we talk about a relationship with Jesus, just as I said before, there are no super spiritual people. Why are we clean? Why are we invited into this relationship? Jesus spoke into us. <laughs> we did not choose him. He chose us. I wasn't smart enough, wise enough, good enough to see my need for God. God had to intervene in my life. And we saw that, didn't we? When we went through each story in the Gospel of John, these were people not looking for Jesus. These were people who needed Jesus, but Jesus found them. He pursued them. And that's what's happening in our lives. 
We are here this morning not because we're better than others. We're here because God is calling us. He's pursuing us and he's cleaning us. It says it is his word that makes us clean. Think back with me to the story of the son of the royal official who was dying. And the father, a desperate father, comes to Jesus and says, please heal my son. And what does Jesus say? He says those beautiful words, your son will live. The word of God is powerful. It says in Genesis that God spoke the world into being. It's through words that God creates life. And here, our lives are made clean and pure and right before God because of the word of God. As God speaks into our hearts, something miraculous takes place. (laughs) All the sin and guilt and shame and dirtiness. Remember, I gave you that image of my kids avoiding, that is us, avoiding God. He cleans that. He removes that. And open delight is possible with God. And so Jesus talks about that. He talks about being made clean. Now here's something that's also very important in these first few verses. Jesus makes very clear. Fruit is impossible without connection. Right? Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You see what's happening here? This relationship, this image, this picture that Jesus has given us is reminding us, showing us that fruitfulness is only possible with God. We cannot live without God. And just as in my garden, if a branch would be broken or, or cut or somehow hindered in its connection, that branch would not bear fruit. It would not bear grapes. It would not bear tomatoes. It would be impossible. And that is true in our lives. Fruitfulness in our lives is impossible without relationship with God. This is what eternal life is. A lot of times we think eternal life is what's going to happen after I die. But God is concerned about our lives right now. (laughs) Isn't that good? Isn't that good news that God, he cares about what happens after we die. But even more importantly, he cares about our condition right now. How we live matters, and God has eternal life for us starting right now, today. (laughs) It's not some day in the future, it's right now. And so the potential for beautiful fruit in each of our lives is possible as we are connected with Jesus. And so Jesus reminds us and invites us to remain in him. So God does the choosing, God does the moving in our lives, the connecting, right? We are made clean by him, but we have to respond. We are free agents to respond to God's love. We don't have to. We're not under uh, obligation. We are allowed to respond. And so that's why Jesus says, if you remain in me. So when I think about that, I think about that delight. Just like with my kids running to me, that choosing, that desire to delight in relationship with me as their dad I think about my own wife who I've been in relationship with for 14 years as we've uh, spent so much of our lives together there's something beautiful about marriage but we all know that when we've seen marriages where you know it, it it's just it, there's no relationship there right people are maybe together but there's no delight right it's it's like people are are living together but not really living together you know what I mean have you seen that there's no delight there but but there's something beautiful when when in a marriage relationship you there's delight there's desire and there's 
connection, right? And I think about my wife and I think about what, how much I love her and how much delight I have in her and how I, I, I find so much joy in her. And it's in that connected relationship that you see fruitfulness. And that's, that's on the human level, right? So we can get our minds around it, right? But this is talking about our relationship with God. And so the alternative, if, if, if we delight in Jesus and we long to be with him and he is our treasure and we don't want to be anywhere else but with him and remain in him and stay in, with him, the alternative is to separate ourselves from him. And we're told if we do that, we can do nothing. So Jesus makes this very clear. Either we are delighting in him, desiring him, in relationship with him, or we're avoiding, we're moving away. See that stark difference? Either we're, we're drawing closer and delighting, or we're moving away. There's no middle ground here. There's, there's movement in our lives either, either way. But verse 8 is so important for us this morning as we think about this. So all this picture, all this image of branches and vines and all this is really for a purpose. In verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, God has a purpose for our lives. <laughs> it, it, uh, contrary to what this world says is that that this is just random, um, everything's an accident, everything's luck, but, but God has a different message, a different plan. Instead of randomness or accidents, life is filled with, filled with purpose and meaning. And this relationship with Jesus creates in us a, a, a foundation for understanding why we exist, why we're here, and why we can long to live it's because God's glory is at work. God's glory is at work. A few weeks ago, Bill talked about glory being weightiness, and he talked about a diamond on a ring. Well, glory is that weightiness. It's that, it's that sense of worth and meaning and purpose. And it's, and it's a word that describes beauty. It describes wonder. And we were created for beauty and wonder, right? We, we love going up into the hills, right, because we're captured by beauty and wonder. We love going to the ocean. We love staring out into space. Why do we send astronauts way up into space? Because we want to be captured by wonder and beauty and glory. And that this glory comes from the Father. And what happens is when we're in a relationship with God, when we're connected with Jesus and abiding relationship with Him, what's produced is glory. Not self-glory, but God's glory. Because we were not created to live selfishly. We all know what happens when we live selfishly. Destruction. <laughs> and I see it with my family and my kids, right? When they're fighting and they're fighting over the same toy, what happens? Is there peace? Is there, is there beauty? <laughs> no. <laughs> we're plugging our ears and saying, stop. <laughs> but because that's what happens when there's selfishness. It creates chaos. It creates destruction. But when we live with Jesus, we discover the unselfish life and we discover a greater glory than our own. And we discover God's glory. And we were created to live in God's glory. So when you come to church and you're singing these songs, don't you, don't you sense 
of peace and a wonder because we get our eyes of ourselves and we start looking up and we see the glory of God and we sense the glory of God and we sense the weightiness of God. And it's like everything else is, is small in comparison to God. That's what we were created for. We were created to live in that greatness and that glory. So this is the abiding picture. In verses 9 through 17, John's going to get real specific about what fruit is. And this is what I call the abiding reality. The abiding reality. And so we have the picture, but now what does that mean? What does that look like? Because, I mean, that can be kind of nebulous, right? What is remaining, abiding, all these things. But John gets really, really practical here in verses 9 through 17. Look at with me at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, if there's nothing else that you realize this morning, realize this. God loves you. I don't know if we can fully, fully capture that in this life, but we can begin to understand, begin to grasp the love of God. And when we do, it changes everything. <laughs> it changes everything. It's the foundation. It's the foundation to a relationship with God. It's a foundation to understanding our own lives is that we have to know that we are loved and that we were chosen. I love that picture of being chosen, right? <laughs> How many of us have played sports where you've been waiting to be chosen and that feeling when they say, hey, I want you on my team, <laughs> right? There's no greater feeling, right, than to say, I am wanted, I am desired. And here we see that God desires each one of us. Billions and billions of people, every single person is made in the image of God and is desired and loved by God. There's no one exempt. No one exempt. God has chosen and he loves us. We cannot miss that. We cannot miss that. That is the foundation of a relationship with God. It, wasn't, it didn't start with us. It started with God. He chose us. He loves us. Now look with me as we look at what is God doing here. He's creating a relationship of love where he chooses. But then in verse 11, he says, I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So God's purpose, God's plans for our lives is not to make us miserable. It's not to make us feel like we're under God's. Uh, it's not a burdenness thing. This is a freedom message. This is a joyful message. This is delight. Again, that image of my son running with his arms open wide and his smile saying, I want nothing more than to be with you, Dad. That is the image in this passage. God is loving us. He's pursuing us. He's creating a connection with us so that we can experience joy. Joy. <laughs> that is why Jesus came, to bring joy to a world filled with misery and pain and death. Jesus came to bring joy. But we still have a choice. We can either accept that or we can reject that. He leaves it up to us to receive it or not. And that is the, the starkness of this passage. Either we will accept his love or we will reject his love. We must grapple with that invitation. We must grapple with what that means for our own lives. But the good news is God's intention is to bring joy, not misery. Not misery, but joy. And not just any kind of joy. 
it uses a specific example of friendship. Friendship. We all have friends, right? And there's nothing better in life than being with people that you are just comfortable with, who know you and accept you. And even if they know some of your weird qualities or your weird tendencies, they still like you and they still want to be with you, right? And they still want to enjoy life with you, right? Friends are a gift. And so God uses example of friendship to give us an image of what a relationship with God is. It's not one of being punished or burdened or, or we're not, not like a master over you, but it's, it's a joyful friendship where you are truly accepted and truly wanted and truly desired and truly part of God's presence and relationship. And so that's the image, that's the invitation is to this friendship. But we have to understand that God is still God and we are not. <laughs> and so God shows us the way that this friendship becomes a reality is through love. And it's a radical self-sacrificing love. That's why we're calling this sermon series The Trail to the Cross. Because love is demonstrated in a cross that required an incredible amount of sacrifice. I think one of the great dangers of our times, of our day, is a distorted view of love, a distorted view or understanding of love. A lot of times we think of love only as a feeling or a sentimental thing. A lot of times we think about it uh, as what shows up on coffee, car, or coffee cups or greeting cards, and we, we get stuck in this sentimental type of love, and it affects all of our relationships. We look around us and say, why are, why are marriages falling apart? Why are there so many conflicts? Why can't people get along? Well, a lot of times we base relationships based on, okay, how does this person make me feel? How do they help me? And so it's a selfish, sentimental love. But Jesus teaches us and shows us a different kind of love. This is a radical, self-sacrificing kind of love. Because the goal here is as we come into this loving relationship with Jesus, something transformational takes place in our lives. And so we go from selfish, um, lonely, avoiding people, and then we become and transform into new kind of people that can truly love others. Do you see that vision? Do you see that image here? As the branch is connected to the vine, it produces fruit. That fruit is love, and not just any kind of love, a self-sacrificing love for others that produces what? Joy. <laughs> joy. Joy for God, joy for you, joy for others, and blessing for our world. Jesus is painting a new way to live. He's giving us an image for what he wants to do in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own world. And so, as we look at this relationship, we ask ourselves, as we look at what God has done, we ask ourselves, do I have that kind of love in my life? Do I see the love of Jesus flowing through my life in such a way that people say, I have been loved. I have experienced love. I've thought about this in my own life and, and where I have experienced that. And, and, and I thought about my grandparents and, and this is not to say to exalt them because they were not perfect people. They had many flaws. They were just like you and I. Like I said, there are no super Christians. But they had an, a radical encounter with Jesus that changed their lives, turned their world upside down. They left many things behind to follow Jesus. 
and God began to transform their lives and their hearts in such a way that all of my cousins and myself and my siblings experienced and saw a radical sacrificing love that burns in our hearts even today where we say we see the power of Jesus to transform and where we saw that really come was through suffering because as my grandparents got older my grandfather got Parkinson's disease and uh, he began to lose his strength and his ability to walk and sustain himself and my grandmother and him uh, exhibited a radical kind of love they served each other they delighted in each other they walked together through the terrible ravages of Parkinson's disease and yet anyone who walked in their home experienced the presence and the power of Jesus they experienced the sacrificing kind of love that Jesus talks about here and that was not produced by their, themselves that was Jesus <laughs> working in them flowing through them and it changed my life it changed all of our lives I remember there were home health aides that would come in and many of most of them came to know Jesus because they saw the presence of Jesus in my grandparents so I tell you that story just to say that this can become a reality that this isn't just pie in the sky that that when Jesus talks about an abiding relationship it's possible it's possible to have that with Jesus and it's possible to produce that kind of love in our lives with his presence in us and it's beautiful and it's joyful now Jesus doesn't promise a world free of suffering a lot of times it's in suffering that we experience the abiding relationship with Jesus I'm gonna invite the servers to come up because we're gonna celebrate communion this morning. And as Jesus was preparing for the cross and he's having this talk with his disciples like we have this morning, talking about this vision, this picture of the abiding relationship, talking about the reality of love that's possible with Jesus, he had a meal with his disciples. And maybe you're here this morning and I just want to invite you to the table. Maybe you're here and you've never heard about this amazing love of God for you. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is here and he's inviting you to come. So take this bread, take this cup, and think about what Jesus makes possible for you. Not someone else, <laughs> what he makes possible for you. Because this is what Jesus says He said, as he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus gave himself away for us to make us clean. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. So as we take this, and we're going to hold on to your bread, hold on to your cup, and we're going to take it all together, and we're going to be reminded that God loves us, that he pursues us, that he chose us, and he gave everything for us.